I'm Evan Nappi, and welcome to Gun Lawyer, the number one gun rights podcast in the world. Not just not me saying it, that's uh, Feedspot that rated the top 20 gun rights podcasts, and we, I'm proud to say, are numero uno. Now, you may have been following a story in the news, I know I have, and I want to talk to you about this because it's uh, kind of interesting to me. Has to do with Liberty Gun Safe. So Liberty is quite a large, maybe even one of the largest manufacturers of gun safes in the United States. It's been a known brand. They make quality safe. I mean, they really make a nice product. I gotta say. But recently, there's been an incredible controversy with Liberty because um, what happened was. A um, the FBI, it appears, was uh, apparently dealing with a criminal investigation, prosecution, etc., of Nathan Hughes, who was raided by the feds over the January 6th brouhaha. Now, I'm not going to get into the uh, issue of January 6th of J6 and whether it's uh, insurrection, oh my God, or whether it's protest or whether it's uh, something that the left is just abusing and using and turning into political propaganda or whether there was an actual threat our country. I don't know. I mean, uh, we can all have our opinion about that. But regardless of whether this is a wonderful example of the weaponization of our agencies and the deep state and trying to shut down First Amendment rights, protesting political matters, it appears that Mr. Hughes ended up a in a situation in which the FBI the feds had a warrant to seize the contents of his gun safe and the rub comes in where apparently the uh, federal law enforcement contacted the manufacturer which is Liberty Gun Safe and were able to get the passcode to get into his safe. Now the aftermath of this has been pretty significant because a lot of folks are concerned that Liberty Gun Safe would just turn over the code to the federal law enforcement officials. And a lot of people that thought they were secure in their gun safe code are now learning that that may not be the case. Now, this is not a surprise to me at all, considering how many cases I've dealt with where safes have been raided by law enforcement. I'm going to tell you some interesting stories about that in a moment. But here in this case, the and it's a little vague. It's not clear whether Liberty had the code to his safe on file and provided it, which they do keep codes to their safes on file. And my understanding from Liberty is that 4,000 requests 
just last year alone for people that acquired a used safe or inherited a safe from someone who's deceased or forgot their combination, called Liberty to get their combination and by providing certain documentation, they will provide that code so that the person can get into their safe. Uh, the other thing though that's not clear is there that you know Liberty uses electronic locks as well as the old manual lock. And I've always been a big fan of the manual lock, just being suspicious about anything electronic. Now I understand that electronic locks are top security, the military uses them. I get all that, they're highly rated. But apparently there's talk that there may be a backdoor code that can gain entry into electronic locks. Now I can't confirm whether that's true or not, but nonetheless, that's something to think about, that if you have an electronic lock, that there may in fact be a way to hack past anything that's electronic or even know a backdoor code to get into electronic, or is it simply that Liberty had the code on file for that serial number for that safe which they apparently do in fact keep that information whatever the deal was they turned it over to the fbi because the fbi said they had a warrant but people are upset that liberty did this but i am actually not that upset although i think they could have done one thing more which apparently they're now going to do and that is Instead of just uh, turning it over because there's a warrant, if the owner of the safe requested them to do it, which maybe is a possibility, or if, the, um, if there's a situation where the warrant is authorizing the entry into the safe and an individual... Uh, doesn't want their safe destroyed by the government, then getting the combination is a good way of not having your, well, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar gun safe ruined. Because the bottom line is that a, a search warrant means that the government through the court has found probable cause for this search. And that search is going to take place. And you got to recognize that it's going to take place. Now, to blame Liberty for what's going on for this J6 prosecution, for this uh, suppression, uh, this uh, motion, well, warrant to, to seize, you know, et cetera, search and seize warrant. It's none of that's Liberty's fault. I mean, they're hit by law enforcement requesting this. Now, it is true, and some folks say that they could have said, well, we're not going to give you anything unless you subpoena our records. And they could have done that. In fact, my understanding is that's what they're going to do in the future. But assuming there's a warrant, then I think the subpoena is going to be probably about as difficult to get as getting a uh, sandwich from the deli at Wawa, okay? But, okay, you want to demand they go through that and get a subpoena? I guess that's fair enough. Maybe it'll protect everybody to ensure that it actually is legit. I don't know. Not necessarily a huge problem. But you got to remember that there is no gun safe out there 
that is going to keep out the government. Okay. If the government has the right that they glean from a search warrant, they're going into your safe, whether you decide to cooperate or not. And if you don't give them the code, and if for whatever reason your gun safe company doesn't exist anymore, or won't provide it, or they don't have it, whatever reason that is, well, the government's still going in. And most likely, it means your safe's going to get drilled open by a locksmith, or your safe's going to get cut open by a locksmith, you know, just literally cut with one of those very special cutting saws, right? Or uh, they may, in fact, um, well, they're going to get it. They're going to get in to your safe. It may even be so extreme as the following. You may recall this. You may recall this very scene from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid when they approach the railroad car that has good old Mr. Woodcock in there with HR uh, safe. Mr. Producer, could you roll the clip? Woodcock, what'd you have to go and do something like that for? Well, uh, but you were the last one so easy, I just had to uh, do something. Mm -hmm. Give me that, get some more. A lot more. Well, that ought to do it. Think you used enough dynamite there, Butch? Yeah, I guess Butch did use enough dynamite in that scene. And, um... Like I said, no matter what, the government's going to get into your safe. And if you don't want your safe ruined and have that investment destroyed, then uh, your best bet is to face what is inevitable, at least in, as far as them getting into the safe and taking whatever they're authorized to take. Because you see, the remedy in our system for that will occur later at court. That's where you bring the motion to suppress. That motion challenges the Fourth Amendment um, procedures and whether your rights were violated or not in the issuance of a warrant or in the search and seizure. And that's what gets determined because it's your rights as a defendant, your right under the Fourth Amendment to be secure in our persons and papers. And if there wasn't sufficient probable cause, if there's other issues surrounding this, then maybe, in fact, it was an unlawful search and seizure. And if there's evidence that is obtained from it, it would be suppressed. And then anything gleaned from that could be further suppressed under fruit of poisonous tree. And these are all uh, possibilities. It also, for example, in New Jersey, the motion to suppress under the rule is both a motion to suppress and a motion for return of property. In other words, baked right into New Jersey's motion 
challenging the legality under the Fourth Amendment search and seizure is a very part of it for the return of the property that is seized, you see. So stopping the seizure is not how it works in our society. You don't preempt the seizure. The seizure takes place and then you fight its legitimacy. And the reason it's that way is because in this case, a warrant has issued and the warrant means they met the constant, at least in theory, met the provision under the Fourth Amendment of obtaining probable cause. Because remember, originally, what our founders were very frustrated with is what the British called the general warrant, where they could just search because they wanted to search. They didn't need probable cause. They wanted to search your barn, search your house. They did it, and they could. Well, we put restrictions on that. Our founding fathers said, no, no, that's not going to happen anymore. Now, does that mean there can't be searches? No. But it means if there's going to be a search, there's got to be probable cause, and it's got to be based on oath or affirmation, and you've, you've got to articulate the reasons. And this is a level of protection in terms of us having security in our persons and our property, etc. And that's how our system was designed, so that we did not live under what is a general warrant. The Nazis, by the way, also had something similar to the general warrant. They had warrant discs, little, they almost look like little uh, key ring tabs. All they had to do was show their warrant disc. They searched whatever they want, wherever they want. There's no probable cause required. You didn't have any rights. But in America, we have these rights. But the way these rights come into play is by dealing with them in the court system and challenging that warrant. And so you're not going to stop this inevitable seizure, but the validity of what is seized and its ability to be used as evidence is a legal question. And of course, you getting your property returned, which will take a fight, but you then are entitled to get that property that's seized returned, unless it is, in fact, evidentiary in some crime, or if you're, for some reason, a prohibited person or become one and can't have it returned if it's, if it's firearms. And these are all issues that get hashed out later. Now, all that being said, that doesn't mean that you want to leave it so that your safe can easily be penetrated by criminals, whether it's uh, street criminals or government criminals. I mean, I get that. And there's no reason why you can't take measures to make your safe stronger. So one of the basic things right here is if Liberty Safe's actions concern you just from a standpoint of uh, bad guys breaking in your safe, well, number one is change your combination in your safe. Most of the liberties have sergeant and greenleaf uh, combination locks. You know, usually the uh, and those S and Gs are, are are good, good quality locks, and you can change your combination. And if it's a manual lock, um, there's a little key that goes in the back. With once you have the safe unlocked, and, and the best is just call a locksmith. They'll charge you uh, three hundred bucks, maybe less. And they'll change the code to what you want. So it doesn't matter what the factory has on list, at least for manual locks, there's no backdoor code that I'm aware of that opens a manual lock. Now electronic, it may even be easier to change your code 
usually allow the user to do that themselves. But again, it may have that backdoor issue. So that's something you'd want to beware about. But folks, I've even had cases where they didn't, they, they, did, they couldn't go in the safe, right? Because they didn't have the code, the combo, or they didn't yet have a search warrant to go in the safe itself, but they wanted to secure it. I've had cases where the law enforcement authorities have taken the entire safe. I'm talking, I had one, it was a Browning Pro Steel, like 1,200 pounds. Took it out of the garage and brought it to the PD and held it there. Yeah. So even extraction of your entire safe, if you're not going to cooperate, can happen. Now, what a lot of folks do, and what's highly suggested, is make sure you bolt your safe to the floor. You want to bolt your safe to the floor for safety reasons, if nothing else, because the heavy doors can cause the safe to tip forward. So just about all the manufacturers of the high-quality safes will tell you you need it bolted to the floor so that the safe does not tip on you or somebody else, causing a lot of potential damage and destruction. But it also helps secure the safe from theft. I know of cases where, particularly one out west, where they went to a gun store and they wrapped a cable around the safe and put the cable around uh, the back of a pickup truck on the uh, tow bar setup and literally yanked the safe out of the gun store and drove down the road dragging the gun safe to a secured location where they could then take their time and open it. So again, bolting your safe to the floor is good to stop theft of your entire safe and from having it not tip over on you. So you can take that measure and you can change your lock. And apparently Liberty, in response to this, this whole controversy has now made it clear that they are only going to release uh, any code information upon a subpoena, which I guess is a good improvement. At least it's one other factor of authentication and maybe protection. The other thing is they're going to make it so that anybody can opt out of them storing your safe code and any, I guess, backdoor code if any such thing exists. Again, not confirmed on that part. But this way, Liberty will expunge and erase your code. So even if they are subpoenaed to turn over data, they can't turn over data they don't have. And if you're afraid from a theft perspective that someone might hack into their system and glean codes, and I guess anything's possible, right? You may not want Liberty to keep your codes on file, but if you're a forgetful person or feel that this is something that uh, you want to have as a backup to protect yourself, then uh, maybe you want Liberty to keep it in their secure database as they have done for, for years. This is a personal choice and that's how it should be. Now, the other thing that you may want to consider is uh, something that I like as an added deterrent to theft. And if you would like to get a free one of these signs, I will be happy to make that available to you. All you have to do is go to evannappen.com and go to the subscriber portal. So if you bought my book, and you are a uh, subscriber because you 
scan the QR code on the front of the book. Then you already get updates. You can access all the updates and all the information I put in the subscriber portal. It's 100% free. Now, even if you're not a subscriber yet, you can actually join the subscriber portal by going to evannappen.com. And if you go to evannappen.com, you'll see the subscriber portal. You can subscribe right there. And when you go in there, you can get your gun safe sign free. You can print it out and you can hang this gun safe sign uh, on, your, on your gun safe. And what the sign says is warning, keep away all heat, sparks, flame, shock, concussion. Safe contains gunpowder slash explosives. And that's a good warning to have on your gun safe. And look, if you're a black powder shooter and you keep a can of, uh, you know, a pound can of black powder in your gun safe, well, then you're keeping explosives in your gun safe. I mean, if you have gunpowder because you have ammunition in there, then you have ammunition in there, right? And it's not real good to have any kind of ammunition or explosives that could face heat, sparks, flame, shock, or concussion. And by putting that warning there, that should give pause for thought to any thief that may be tempted to try to break into your gun safe, not knowing uh, exactly what's in there and what dangers may lurk should such a thing be attempted. And uh, this sign may have a uh, good effect as a deterrent from a thief wanting to get into your safe. So I am making that sign available for free and you can hang it on your safe. And it, even if it's just a big old bluff, so what if it stops someone from breaking into your safe that shouldn't be breaking into your safe then good it's another security measure and uh, you just go to uh, evanappen.com and subscribe to subscriber portal like i said which is free and download and print your free safe sign and hang it proudly on your safe and while you're at evanappen.com if you don't have a copy of my book that's when you should buy one because it is over 500 pages long and it answers over 120 topics in detailed discussion in a question and answer format. Everything you need to know about New Jersey gun law. And by being in that subscriber portal, you're getting updates and alerts and all kinds of good stuff like fun signs to hang on your safe. So I would highly recommend picking up a copy of New Jersey Gun Law, the 25th anniversary edition, and finding that at evannappen.com. Right there, conveniently, on this thing we call the internet. Hey, when I get back, I have some more very important information to tell you about New Jersey Carry License. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law. A bright orange gun law bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. 
Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Hey, folks. Hey, I got some interesting news here about We Shoot. And this is kind of cool. We Shoot is uh, really excited about a new cool thing they are doing at the wonderful We Shoot range in Lakewood, New Jersey. They have what they're calling Blast-A-Bear. Blast-A-Bear. Now, you're probably saying, what's Blast-A-Bear? Are we shooting bears? What are we blasting at bears? Well, I'll tell you what they have. Ready for this? They have a 15-inch tall, 12-pound ballistic gel gummy bear. That's right. They are providing this 12-pound ballistic gel gummy bear. And on October 11th, they're hosting a special event. And you are you will be able to take aim at this specifically crafted ballistic gel gummy bear that has been designed exclusively for we shoot. Now that sounds pretty fun, don't you think? Shooting gummy bear, giant gummy bear, right? Kids age 10 and up can join the fun, accompanied by their parent or legal guardian. It's a fantastic and unconventional way. Completely unconventional, actually. To introduce your youngsters, friends, or even your significant other to the world of shooting. And guess what? Best part? It only costs $99.99 per couple. And if you want to add anybody else to it, it's only $25 each. And that covers your entry to the range and shooting. Ballistic gel gummy bear to shoot. Access to the shooting range for two. A firearm rental. Plus eye and ear protection. The only thing not included is ammo. And you can feel free to bring your own pistols or rifles. Can't do shotguns, though. They're not allowed at this event. And the cherry on top is you get to take home the gummy bear. Making everybody who knows you green with envy, right? To show that blasted gummy bear. So, check out the promos. Go to WeShootUSA.com. Great place. They do all kinds of fun stuff. And this looks like a great fun event to go and blast a bear. Pretty cool. I'd like to do that myself. Now, the question becomes, just off to the side, what caliber is the best to shoot a gel gummy bear? And I once heard someone debating about What's better, 45 or 9 millimeter? You know that classic debate that everybody's had, right? What's better, 9 millimeter, 45? And uh, someone once heard someone say, well, look, they did tests and all the ballistic gelatin, and 9 millimeter performed better in ballistic gelatin than a 45. To which the other person said, without 
too much hesitation. Well, I'll tell you what. When the Jello monsters from outer space attack, we should all shoot them with nine millimeters. That was an interesting reply, I thought. But I'll tell you what. What do you do when ballistic gel gummy bears attack? That's your choice. Go to We Shoot and have some fun on October 11th. And I don't want to forget to mention our great association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, our state association, the stalwart number one defender of gun rights in the state of New Jersey. And they are there in the trenches fighting for you and me. They're the guys and gals that are in the legislature battling. We have a paid lobbyist. We're there. We're there in the courts litigating fighting these outrageous Murphy laws and outrageous gun laws. We're making progress, and the association is there defending you. And they have a great newsletter. We'll send out email alerts. You need to be a member of the association. Go to anjrpc.org, anjrpc.org. Join them and be part of the solution, folks. We need you. This is how we're going to win. This is how we're going to protect our rights. Organization and unity. we got a great group. Let's just do it. So take advantage and join ANJRPC.org. Now here's an interesting letter, and I want to advise folks about it because it raises a very important question. This is from Steve. And Steve says, regarding... PTC qual date, of course, PTC qualification date. I have a PTC issued in January. If I miss the October 1st due date for the requalification, does my PTC just await the qualification to become legal again? He wants to know, you know, what's the impact of that? Well, I'm going to tell you what the impact is. And the impact of that is something you'd all be, you'll better be very much aware of because it could be extremely devastating for you if you are not aware of it. And let me tell you, it's real simple. Non-compliance, meaning you do not get your recertification certificate done and in, when I say in, I mean turned into your issuing authority, if your license, your carry permit was issued by a chief, you give it to the chief, issued by a judge, give it to a chuck, give it to the judge, and matter of fact, was issued by a judge, give it to the judge and give it to the chief, because you applied originally to the chief, if you have one of the old permits, you fail to comply, it's a crime of the fourth degree. That's right, crime of the fourth degree. In New Jersey, we don't call Felonies, felonies, we call them crimes. I don't know why, maybe just to confuse everybody, which wouldn't surprise me. But it's basically a felony level offense because you're facing 18 months in state's prison. Year and a half state's prison, folks. And a $10,000 fine if you fail to certify by October 1, 2023, if you already have a permit that's been issued and you have not gotten the new requirements. Now, if you want to know the countdown, you can go to evannappen.com. When you go there to get your free sign and buy my book, you will also see the carry permit requalification 
countdown clock. It's there, and it's counting it down to the second for you to get this done. So make sure you get it done. What does getting it done mean? The bottom line is that you get that certificate, that certificate of the qualifications being met. You can find the certificate on the state police website. Go to firearm information, firearm forms, and you'll find the certificate right there. You can print it up. You need your instructor to sign that you've completed a course that was substantially similar to what they're requiring now, or that you retook a new course and met the new requirements. You better move on it, folks. Time's a ticking. If you want to know how much long how long you have to go, look at evannappen.com. You'll see the plot. And you don't want to end up jammed up looking at a liability for a fourth degree crime where you're looking at a year and a half in prison and a ten thousand dollar fine for your omission for your failure to do what you were supposed to do and some of you may say well look at the statute it just says you shall do this it doesn't say what happens when you fail where did, where did that come from? that comes from the other part of new jersey law where it says failure to follow the licensing law of 58.4 is a crime of the fourth degree. So the penalty provision is found elsewhere, but the penalty provision incorporates you having to follow the pistol permit law. And your failure to follow that law is criminal. So folks, beware. This is going to come down and a lot of unsuspecting people are suddenly going to find themselves where if they're lucky, just getting a permit revoked and not criminally prosecuted. So move on this, get that certificate, and make sure that you do not miss this deadline if you are a permit to carry holder who must recertify. Now, if you've gotten your carry permit after the new requirements, then you're good. Then you don't need to do a recertification because you've qualified with the new requirements. But if you did anything prior to those new requirements being promulgated, then you must, you must get that done. Can't emphasize it enough. And I'm just shaking my head knowing that there's going to be all kinds of folks that are going to see revocations and possibly worse. You say, you know, how will it go down? Well, you know, anyone who thinks that you don't know about it or going to ignore it, most likely the AG, the Attorney General, is going to send out notices issuing authorities to all your permit holders if they submitted or not. And if they haven't, well, move to revoke or worse. You'll see. You know, they want, they're looking for every excuse to disenfranchise us of our gun rights. Well, this is going to be another one of those excuses for them. So be careful, and you've been warned. Hey, but here's something actually a little bit of good news that I want to share, something a little fun. You know, I've always been a fan of the uh, DCM way back when it was called the DCM, and now it's called the CMP, which is the Civilian Marksmanship Program. And through that program, shooting sports and uh, accuracy with firearms and such, has been uh, the mission of the CMP as 
initiated by the government itself. And the CMP, as many of you may know, sells surplus U.S. military firearms and other things to the public at very good deals. For years and years and years, you could buy M1 Garands. You still can get a Garand rifle from the CMP at the best deal on Garand rifles you can buy anywhere. And they're, of course, high quality and they're government guns, you know, really cool. I know I got my my Garand from the DCM a uh, long time ago. I'm not going to tell you how long ago, but I'll tell you the price. It was $93 at the time. And then I was able to also get a beautiful M1 Grand M1D Sniper, Winchester Sniper from DCM. I hit the lottery on that way back. You literally had a lottery where if you got picked, you were able to buy right from the DCM a Sniper M1 Grand. Well, guess what? One of the cool things they've been running, and I've mentioned it before, is their 1911A1 program where you can buy a bona fide government 1911 a1 directly from CMP is guaranteed government 1911 and they're very reasonably priced As a matter of fact when you buy one from them it's virtually worth double as soon as you get it and they're great guns most of them come out of the Aston Arsenal and uh, they've been stored by the government and CMP is selling them well they ran round one round two and round three of the CMP 1911 sales and as I told folks about it before, you were allowed to buy one of those 45s. Get your paperwork in, they pull your number, and you're given the opportunity to purchase bona fide 1911A1 right from the CMP. Well, good news, folks. They have opened up round four. And here's the here's the here's the real spectacular thing. They've opened up round four. And if you had already gotten a 1911 from them, as long as it was in this year that you got it, you can buy a second CMP 1911A1 from the government at a bargain deal. And they are great guns. So if you already got one, you can get another. And I know I'm going to take advantage of that because you can't beat it for the money. You just can't. So if you're interested in that, go to the CMP, look at their 1911 program. And get yourself a CMP 1911. And if you already got one, you can now get another. And the only thing better than 145 from the CMP is 245s from the CMP. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.